Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you find out just after you think you've gotten rid of all the big bads, hey, look what's you know coming through the portal there. It's slimy and icky. And it gets it gets between my toes and other places. Oh, let's see. Yeah, the, yeah. That what is it? Can't get the tough stains out? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> yeah, that's those are some tough stains. Yeah. <clears throat> Tonight, we are going to talk Fringeworthy, and we are going to get deep into it as we usually do, considering that it's a big part of the origin of this podcast. Um, well, does it have to be Fringeworthy? Can it also be Bureau 13? I mean, it could happen there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be a campaign changer, probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no. You, 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 oh, no. There won't be enough hair dye to turn uh, Colonel Talbot's hair from going gray with this coming through. Programmable plant matter. Now, we all know that the Termeller were biotech gods. Unfortunately, they were ulti- they were ultimate optimists in the fact that they could never see anything being turned into something bad. You know, insert here the whole Kegak, you know, uh, mutating the Melor out of anger. So, this is along those lines. It was another Termelern invention that it had a purpose and it got tweaked along way. Rich put terraformed worlds all throughout the Four Portals book. And just, you're looking, oh, it could be here, it could have been done here, yeah. And so also, you could be on this world, and let's say you wanted to throw a batch of this at your at your players, at your characters, there could be a rogue patch somewhere. The code has been degraded, it's been there for a millennium, and all of a sudden they step on the wrong thing, and here comes this green, well, it would look like a blob, it would almost look like a, oh god, there was a epic level handbook, epic spell called Vertigris. Basically, it is a plant tsunami. I was waiting for the word tsunami to show up. Yeah, and basically that's how this green goo, if it were in attack mode, would just rise Anybody up. Anybody who's ever read the um, uh, Swamp Thing series has seen yeah. green tsunamis more than once. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's usually how I would suggest just just it comes up and you know you know meanwhile you got your people exploring in back of the base camp i recognize that feminine scream of panic anywhere that would be our our team's botanist yeah um so yeah it's just you it just plug it in anywhere you think on the fringe paths that the ppm might have had a hand in making this world there's always a chance for a rogue patch of it something that got left behind and just can't do its job anymore, so it either had to change its programming, or something happened where the code got tweaked, or freak lightning. Well, see, by the way I made it here, it's immune to both electric and sonic. So, like, electrical damage wouldn't short these things out. Because I believe it was due to Leshy subtype. And I gotta put here, for my reference, which are templates and which are subtype. I've got the Akashic and Leshy subtype, but the plant blood modular and biotech template. And yeah, I had to use semantics because technically gray goo, it's listed as a construct. The biomech template from ArcForge Cybertech changes any construct that you make biological into an aberration. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It would probably, if anything, that would be what it is in my mind. Aberration, even though, again, at the level that the Termelern were working at, it's just a new look form of life. Well, the aberration, okay, for those of you unfamiliar with Pathfinder and OGL terminology, aberrations would be the monster types like flares, grells, aboleths, things like that. But the aberration monster type has certain things that are in the bestiary. And again, you can again look this up on Pathfinder, as I said, d20pfsrd.com. If, if you're running Pathfinder first edition, and I'm sure they have a second edition page now that's going, uh, the people at OpenGamingStore.com run this page. And I think there is a Pathfinder 2E page now up and running. I, I, 
personally, I don't use those rules. I looked at them, and I they do not suit my nefarious plans for gaming. <laughs> but let me go, and thankfully, my cord is long enough here. I can, with my headset, I can go over to okay, Cybertech, and let me get the Biomech template here real quick. Ah, flip and I miss it. Yeah. Uh, page 34 of Arcforge Cybertech by Matt Daly and Michael Sayer. Okay. Base creatures type changes to aberration. You don't change a hit dice base, attack bonus, saving throws. It ends up getting a constitution score of 10 because constructs don't have con scores. Robots, clockwork, mechs, all that stuff. Yeah. Constructed defenses retain any construct immunities they initially possess, but now heal naturally. And origin bound, the life source of a biomech is intrinsically tied to the process that originally was constructed. The creature possesses any labels such as golem, mech, or robot when it was a construct. It's still effective as if it were that type of construct. So yeah, once I got that, it was no longer a construct technically. So then I could add, oh look, it's a plant subtype, and then I could add the leshy subtype to where you destroy the PPM. It just explodes in a verdant wave of temporary plant enhancement. It helps, it, it goes back to its original job, which was to perpetuate plant growth. Uh, what's the term? Death throws, as it were. It's the ultimate fertilizer. Yes, and that's originally what it was made for, but also I've done things like uh, adding, oh, where? what was it here? Yeah, verdant burst is what they call it. Also, this stuff can change into plant life itself. You're sitting there, and... You're walking through a forest, and you realize that forest is the green goo, and then all of a sudden you see the plants start changing and getting more amorphous looking, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's, you know you're bathed in it. You, know. <laughs> you end up looking like you just got slime. Problem is, it's nanites, which means then it does the, you know, the consumption, or what do they call it here? Again, I printed out the uh, dis or infest. It can infest a medium or larger creature for DC-21 negates, including constructs and undead. Moves inside the creature's body, dealing double its normal damage to its host each round. Yeah. Basically, you're choking on, well, a sentient salad. Um, <laughs> and, it ha and it has the dismantle quality, you know, like nanites do, where it can just all of a sudden, some of this gets on your gun, and all of a sudden it's in its component pieces and slowly disintegrating. Because, let's see, the dismantle, creatures damaged by gray goo must succeed at DC-19 reflex save, or a random piece of their equipment takes the same amount of damage, Determined as if though the target rolled a natural one on the saving throw, using the rules for items surviving under after a saving throw. In addition, unattended objects in the area of Grey Goo take damage if the swarm chooses to harm them. Swarm damage is 6d6. So yeah, if it gets in you, then it does 12d6. Most humans would get decomposed instantly. And again, it's just, you know, there are plants that, I mean, look at the Venus flytrap. You have, you know, it, 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 the plant, you know, the fly gets in there, it closes down. The fly, you know, dies and putrefies and absorbs the nutrients from the now corpse of the fly. I mean, I'm sure that there are plants out there, and if there aren't plants in real life, the Termelon would have found plants on worlds like, oh, this plant has a highly acidic quality, and, you know, so it can decompose things easier, you know. Because they would have scoured the fringe paths to find any and all plant life to put the programming to create and mimic their abilities in there. Yeah. As this late in the game, you know, weapon slash terraforming tool. Let's see here. Uh, yeah, it's got the dispersion where it can just, you know, pss, and you can't see it. Problem is then with the dispersion, uh, as immediate action, a great goo can, dis or a green goo, you know, you know what I mean. Reading directly from the printout here. Can disperse spreading itself across a cube-shaped area 30 feet on side. While dispersed, it deals no damage. It can't use its other special abilities until it reforms. It can hide in plain sight as a ranger in their favorite terrain with a plus 10 bonus of stealth. And they've already got, it's already got a 32, so it's a 42 stealth, which means you have to roll that perception roll incredibly high. You have to be able to see the slight greenish shimmer in the air to realize that you're walking through a PPM cloud and it's about ready to condense on you. And doesn't take additional damage from area effects from being a swarm. It takes two rounds for a dispersed, well, PPM to reform, which is two rounds, that's 12 seconds. So yeah, I mean, it could sit there and float invisibly through fringe portals that are unlocked, and no one would know. It wouldn't disturb the interface or anything like that. So yeah, they they just quietly enter unlocked worlds that they're sent to, and or if they go to the fringe paths, you know, they can... And because I put in that they are nanites, but biological, I put this in. 
it can mimic crystal key unlocking function. You can have a pseudopod come out and just fit in that top pyramid on the pylon, and it can unlock pylons to get it. And because it's Tremeller made, it can do rainbow. So yeah, it's like, I mean, a rogue PPM. Oh no, no world's no world is safe. I'm just imagining for me using it in my campaign, I would have this the the basically it would be a shambling mound going down yeah. the trench path. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you're going to tweak it to you know do some tech things too. But yeah, effectively yeah. it could be a shambling mound. I would either have it appear as like a shambling mound, or just for the the icky factor, like your standard ooze or jelly from Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. The oh oh god, what was it? Um, CR four green slime. Yeah. Where you got to scrape it off or burn it off. Yeah. Oh no, have it just oh no, just have it dripping it down. Like you're mm-hmm. walking, like in you know, and you're like with pipes and a, a like underground hallway, and you're seeing the green stuff slime drip down slowly, and then you find out it comes. It doesn't just drip on you to attack you; it comes after you. Because usually green slime, what it is, it's up in the ceilings and then it drops on you. Just you know, gravity. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It does. It's. It, it basically grows where it's at, and then it drops off. You know, whenever something. Um, reproductive, you know, uh, appears below it, yeah. you know, something that it can consume. But and then what's left up at the top slowly regenerates in place until it's, you know, gotten enough of it, you know, that it can go ahead and, or, you know, something else comes by and it drips a little bit, you know. So it just, I'm just saying, it, it's a, um, a, 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 an advantageous predator. Okay. I like that term. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Mills Lane, you said, I'll allow it. Um, Let's see, that was positive five, you said, Jonathan, for where the purple weed was? Yeah, positive five. Okay, looking. Yep, purple weed, purple weed world, purple tundra. Yeah, I was, I realized, oh, my cord is long enough in my headset, I can get out the big blue binder. Those of you who know me and Pixie know that, you know, I printed out all the worlds and that's where my fringe metaverse, you know, oh, this prime and this alt have this and this and this campaign from 10 years ago. And yeah, so yeah, positive five, the... Endless Dark Age is the prime platform, and then the first three worlds have all been taken over by Purple Weed, which we can now say possibly was a PPM project. And let's see, because of the the things that the purple and the red weed do, I don't think they would have been made by as a Termelern project. They would not want to do that to, well, their fellow Termelern, because they even saw that humans, no, ah, ah, the heck with it, they're Termelern too. Okay, they don't have... No, 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 no. If you went to a world that was like, you know, Populate itself to destruction uh, due to philosophy or whatever. Okay, might, this this thing might intentionally have been meant as a mitigator, something to slow down the growth to the point where, and then and then afterwards it was going to you're going to get rid of it, and then the war comes. Okay, and they never do. Yeah. Right. yeah so, oh, well, uh, see here we go again. Long long game with the Tremeller. They Yeah, something that's going to take centuries. They don't have a problem with. Yeah. Again, we're bringing in the concept of Termellern morality. Yeah, after you live immortal, heck, a Termellern's probably been through every ali- all nine alignments <laughs> in their lifetime. Yeah, I remember. Well, uh, I mean, something that doesn't kill people, okay, but still eliminates, you know, uh, ecological issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overpopulation is is very much a a Termellern solution. Yeah, and as I'm seeing, it's like, wait a minute, they made it to your. Acting like you're stoned, you're sterile, and it does this and this, and you're going to get some eye-dead person going, wow, that's a real phallic move, these Tremelon. I thought they were nice people. You know? <laughs> and then they'd say, you'd have to explain, well, they probably did it as population control because something it was getting you know out of hand here. They probably had like 10 billion people in this world. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and the idea being that you, know, you get rid of all of the people on your major continents but it doesn't it doesn't spread to like island nations right. and things like that's, that and, that, then, and they're all so now you have an empty world and the people from those islands go off and find all these ruins and things like that and assuming of course that these things would at that point have died off or they would have gone through some kind of mutation where they were just like regular wheat yeah. instead of being you know instead of being purple and and therefore you know they uh or like I said they said they could just die off uh having done their job and, and at which point they, uh, as, as a matter of fact, is that, you know, would be, what would be a cool thing would be is that uh, things like, uh, oh, uh, uh, like the, 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 uh, the purple weed, 
or the red weed, whatever, it uh, it doesn't actually propagate until it's harvested. Well, yeah. Um, the, the No, I'm saying that's not part of it, but if you did that, then it would require somebody to interact with it before it exhibited these qualities. Oh, okay. Well, that could be programmed, uh, yeah. too. Yeah, because remember, the Tremelin yeah. found plant life from all over the multiverse, right. and Lord knows what's out there, so... Yeah. And once there are any people left, or you know, animals that eat their, that this particular thing, they just die off. Yeah. They don't propagate themselves. They don't produce viable seeds anymore, and they just disappear. Okay. What about if the Termelorn did it as how? What's the term? Like a time release? Okay. Well, this, yeah, after... yeah. They, they can have genetically time. Right. 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 Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. That was the term I was looking for. Yeah. Time release, making it sound like it's you know like a an allergy pill or something. Um, <laughs> An well, allergy against is... overpopulation. There you go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This programmable plant matter, as I said, you can either have it early on in the game, where you know, in the 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 fringe where the cannon, where it was just made straight up as a small scale terror. Well, I mean, if you get big, if you get it, you know, a big enough mass and get it on a world, well, wait a minute. Also, even if you send a little bit through, nanites rebuild and expand. It could terraform an entire planet given time. Duh. Right. Yeah, as long as they're able to reproduce on their own and don't require some specialized structure to produce them, then yeah, they can keep spreading and spreading. They can in time cover an entire world and terraform all the land and well, it could even go underwater and make, you know, like sea plants, you know, like kelp and seaweed and other Well, okay, a lot of plants aren't a I mean, it depends on how it's designed, but like for example, a lot of worlds are you know, most worlds the sea is gonna be salt. Very you know, and that's that's very hard for for plants that are terrestrial to deal with. That's why. Well, I mean, remember, all plant life has been put in this, so. So I just had a thought uh, coming up with this. I can imagine that in the initial, when it was just a a terraforming tool, it probably required um, the construction of, say, a broadcast tower or a control tower that all it did was broadcast a signal that says you can reproduce. You can do what you're going to do. But Heck, then could... when they went to turn it into a weapon so they wouldn't have to enter these worlds in order to deploy it, that's when they converted it over to being, you know, self-replicating, so to speak. It didn't require it, you know, they it could broadcast its own signal, so to speak. Well, you'd change it so, so that the, the broadcast would be a poison pill. It would be like, die. Exactly. That's the thing. I think that's... And, you'd, and you'd come in and do that as part of the cleanup. Exactly. Yeah. And so that would be, that would be your sort of, um, solution when you're ready to wrap up that this campaign featuring this this big bad is that you find out the the particular signal needed to turn it into a kill command. This would definitely, uh, folks. As I said, we made this as a late campaign big bad to coincide with the Coptics. It's just at the opposite end of the fringe paths, so it's going to be assumed by this time that your party, if it's you know if it's a United party. They're going to have, you know, okay, what do, what do we say ages ago? If there are 100 lung, lungs, well, they're biotech, you never know. If there are 100 rungs going one for 1 to 100, as far as levels of knowledge of Termellern science and technology, humans might get to level one or two. You might have that one Termellern Commonwealth tech geek on your Unita team, your IDET. He'd be the one that, and probably with work from the team's botanist, which, well, it's the it's Termellor and Tech. They might be one and the same guy um, or gal or person. Uh, they might stumble upon this because they're, if, with, with, with how advanced this is, you throw this against an earlier middle team and it's just, okay, we lock down the world and get the F out of here. Because you throw this up against somebody from an earlier middle campaign they don't have that high level of knowledge of the Termellern and okay, they made this stuff and it was, you know, weaponized in one way or another. Either they did it intentionally early on. Well, no, they would have done it in response to the Melor. So, you know, they either just tweaked what they had already or just made it as, no, we're going to make it as a Melor killer and a terraformer because, you know, you got to clean up the mess after these Melor die. You know, at the very least, the PPM could use the white goo that the Mellor dissolve into as fuel for, you know, them. Yeah, let's clean up the place here. Okay, let's some trees over here, some flowers over here, some nice shrubs. So, yeah, this would be a late 
campaign model big bad. As I said, I made it here for Pathfinder first edition. It's CR seventeen. I would I would say that being late campaign, but being a weapon against the Melor, obviously, if 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 somehow in your campaign you haven't dis- you haven't completely solved the Melor threat before you find this thing, and maybe this could be used during your middle campaign as sort of hints of things to come. Yeah, yeah this would this be something stuff. you throw in late in the middle campaign era. Yeah, yeah. It, it instantly dissolves Melor. Like you know, it, it you know it has to attack normal living tissue. It touches a Melor. It's almost like. Um, oh, oh, let me, okay, let me write this down. Yeah, it, it, it's like as soon as any, any, any fab, you know, minute particle of this hits a Melor, that Melor is just dissolved. Double damage versus the Melor, which means by the rules here, 12d6 for the, and what are they calling here? 12d6 for the swarm effect, 24d6 if it gets in them. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. I know it, for but, a fact the the master Meller don't have that type of where it just no it would pfft, gone uh, and it it bypasses any resistances or immunities that Meller might have. I mean it is it is programmed. Oh, oh really? To take them out. Oh really? What if uh, what if the Meller basically coats themselves from head to toe with uh, some kind of a uh, plastic? Well, I, I mean, mean it, I would say that, but I'm saying it's like assuming it can get to the Meller flesh. Okay, I'm just saying because uh, uh, we introduced an anti-Meller um, material. They, the the agents, uh, the explorers start carrying around spray bottles and stuff. Oh, okay. They just, mm. you know, they'll walk up to somebody and they say, hey, are you the boss right here? <laughs> sorry, I, I'm sorry. We just, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a grinning with our people. <laughs> and, and the guy's like, what is this stuff you just sprayed on me? He says, no, it doesn't matter. It's perfume. <laughs> yeah, it's just. It's a gift, <laughs> and you know because if it was a Meller, it would then convert to an old Meller. Uh, oh, no so memory. the cure was that they got it in spray bottle form by that time. Yeah, yeah, that was how we basically ended the middle campaign. Okay, was, yeah, was them because coming up, them getting figuring this. Well, they didn't figure it out, but they. So you sent the, the basically this, your people had to, your people in that group synthesized the slarg saliva, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, as you know, and so as a result, they, well, and uh, but the point here is, is that then they ran the Mel, they ran into some people later on that they were very suspe- suspicious were Meller, and they came over and they tried that on them, and they noticed that they were very, they were glistening. These people were all glistening for some reason, and they went over and they tried that, and they realized that these guys, these people, had basically scotch guarded themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so the stuff can't touch their flesh; it can't do the thing you know so and they're all like you know and they're all looking at him like i know what you're doing and they're like i you know he says i know what your game is you know so you're though you know, we would you're from the common you're from the new commonwealth okay He's, so basically and, well i mean you're gonna want something that because the way that the the the, the goo is here you do it takes the 66 damage okay it's the swarm effect if you know the swarm rules from the bestiary which, yeah, swarm rules, I think, were even in Bestiary 1, yeah. You'd have, like, swarms of various types of vermin. And then the 12, you know, the, the double damage if it infests you. And it says the Grey Goo, in, including constructs and undead. So we can go after things like plastic, metal. So we would have to put the caveat in, okay, the Melor have the stuff that they can coat themselves in. It's a Commonwealth-era chemical Anti- well, the question is: Is there anything? Is there anything that can protect them from it? That would be where we'd have to come in with the caveat of the Melor have this because they know the slarg saliva is out there, and if they find out that the new common, well, they, oh, they know that these critters are out there. Too. Well, yeah. So the Melor, you know, the 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 infected Melor would have to have, you know, they would. Yeah, we've got, you know, the 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 the. What not Scotch Guard? There's another term. <laughs> Simonize themselves, <laughs> and Bruce would know this term better than probably other people. It's like an old uh, car wax. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if you if any if you've ever seen the movie Striptease, uh, Burt Reynolds' character as the uh, the governor. At one point, he uh, invites her uh, the lead over to his room, and he's covered head to toe in Vaseline. That just ended my hunger for the next 12 hours. Just, yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> so, but anyways, I, I could see where that could provide a lot of protection because it's going to be hydrophobic, okay, and a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it's thick, viscous, you know, it, it's with a little bit, with just body heat, it's going to flow and fill in any, over any uh, missed spots and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah, so something like this, you know, uh, uh, or a, a, a ointment of, of similar material, you know, could be used like this. Okay, you know, the the downside, of course, is it, is it can be wiped off. Now, you know, if you simonize somebody, as, as Travis put it, then that would not just wipe off. You would have to you peel that. Yeah, yeah. You have to use some kind of a solvent and... Um, and that's where the the intelligence of the uh, gr uh, green goo is is in question because I mean if it runs into something like this does it have the ability to adapt to that or does it just not know what to do with it and just move on? Well, we could say then it only does well because since this stuff is made as an anti melor weapon, half the damage. So it it doesn't do the twelve D six, it's back down. And it would be enough for the Mellor to get out of there realizing, oh crap, it's eating through this coating. We need to get out of here now. So yeah, we can say that it um this this You should just simply say how long it takes to eat through such a coating. Well as I said if way, I have... and that way the Mellor know what they're if they're if they're if they're both savvy about it, that you know the uh, the 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 Mellor know how long they have to get away from this stuff before they're they're going to get at. So you know that would give them a chance to escape. Um, you know, and the and the challenge thereof, because you know, you know there's somebody out there who's playing a uh, uh, who's playing a campaign where you know they're all Meller. <laughs> you know, oh no! Remember, folks, our and and Blix and I hosted this years ago playing Meller, especially cured Meller. They were a master or a great, and now they are back to old Meller and what you have to do to realize, okay, you've done all these things for millions of years, and now you're trying to be good. Go back to that episode. It's a while back, but I remember I'd, Blitz and I had a lot of fun with that episode. So, yeah, I would put, okay, it does double damage versus Meller, but only half damage if the Meller has, you know, the special plastic-like coating, which means it eats a lot slower through the Meller. And it would give the Meller enough time to get the heck out of Dodge because it realizes, oh, this is the PPM. These Commonwealth <clears throat> rodents of illegitimate lineage. Yeah. I would almost say that maybe the Meller could be just completely immune to at least the... Well, wait a minute. Let me, yeah, let me let me get to... Because the, the Meller have the uh, immunity charts here. Let me get to that. I happen to have... Ah, here we go. Types of resistance and immunity. Okay, let's see. We have small firearms, fire, explosion, poison, electricity, radiation, large firearms, cold, toxic atmosphere, damage from any mild or heavy toxic atmosphere or exposure to crushing pressure or vacuum, and fall or impact. Let's see. If the Melor has, I would probably say either... And it would depend on, you know, again, why MMV. Your mileage may vary. Depends on what you want to do. Either poison or possibly the toxic atmosphere immunity, just depending on what you want. But one of those two, if it has that immunity, this PPM will just slough right off. See, I again, I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I think I, I would want the PPM to negate any of the natural immunities a, a Melor might have or might well, develop. Yeah, but, because it's, it says here types of resistance or immunity. Uh, in the OGL rules, resistance is usually a number. Like, yeah. oh, you have fire yeah. resistance 10. Okay, then you could say this was resistance 10 against one of the things here. Immunity is no. You are totally immune. Total. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's total. Yeah. So... But, and these are mutated Mellor, too. I mean, Fair enough. Most Mellor yeah. are not like that. Fair oh, enough. yeah. The, the special Mellor. Mellor types 4 to 6 have the GM's option of having a having special resistances and immunities at a cost. Uh, the cost, they can't reproduce. That is, yeah, you and you roll, and it is on page 92 here, French word, the OGL, and you can get a resistance and immunity, one of each, um, a resistance and, or an immunity and two resistances, or two immunities if you roll a 100 on a, on a percentile chart. So, I mean, it's very rare, and I mean... yeah. 
Yeah. I guess so, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be as concerned in that case then, yeah. But yeah, I would definitely have it be it, like in, in the case of like a Melor is impersonating a life form that is naturally immune to something like this, then yeah, this thing will ignore that. But if it's it's Melor's own natural immunity then or resistance, then yeah, I could see that. Oh, the resistance they listed here, it's half damage. Yeah. So it would be if you have resistance to, as I said, you can pick either poison or toxic atmosphere. I would probably pick poison. Well, no, let's see. It's a Melor. I, I would take toxin myself. Because what it, it is small bits of plant matter working its way into the in, basically into the tissue and breaking it apart. Uh, yeah, I'd probably call that. I mean, so if there's poison, an option for yeah, corrosive. Okay, okay. Yeah. so if maybe acid you, even acid. Well, that's toxic. Yeah, that would yeah. be the toxic atmosphere. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. It depends on how we break down. Now, the the swarm effect. It's either now a swarm effect of its nanites. It is the nanites actually consuming the matter. Right. Now we can say that for the plants, it could be acidic. It could be just the well. Then it would be listed as acid damage. Yeah. yeah. This is actual. Yeah. It's it's not any say, type of energy. Just, yeah, I would say yeah. that form would be considered toxic, but. Again, if the, if the PPM is intelligent and is trying to take out this Melor, nothing's going to stop it from making the nearby tree basically into a tree ant and beating that Melor to death. Oh, no. Yeah, the, 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 that <laughs> because that's another thing you can do. As I said, folks, if you do this OGL and you decide that, you know, okay, converting the gray goo from the SR, the Pathfinder SRD, I think it's Bestiary 5, and adding the biotech, the biomech and modular arc forge templates and the plant blood one from the SRD. If you decide to tweak something different and do a different work, this is the work that just came to me. Again, I'm not, I'm not putting anything in stone here. If you find a better hack to make gray goo into programmable plant matter, do it and heck, let me know. Put it in the, you know, the groups that we'll talk about later. But this is your chance to just Oh no, this is a walking druid spell list. If it does anything to plants, animate plants, um, summon monster, or no, not summon monster for druids, but summon nature's ally, but all the, and just, yeah, all of a sudden it manifests from particulates in the air, a, a moving plant. Oh yeah, from the waste pollutants in the air, yeah, it made a trend. I mean, you, you guys could just go nuts with this. And just, we're in a desert. There's no cacti. Where did this tree come from? It just, the nanotech just, you know, waste products in the air, minute particles. They converted it with its micro factories. You now have a tree and it's animating it so that it, you know, it uses the, you know how you have a bastard sword? Switch those two words around. That's what it's going to be using that Melor as. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it just, as I said, um, doing this, UGMs could go just buck wild with the types of variant things. As I said, you could have it, you know, okay, yeah, you know, it's all these druid spells and out of the blue, it's plant growth and all. Um, in Arc Forge, they have new psi powers, and one of them is floral alteration. Basically, it is, you know, enhanced plant growth and all that. If you wanted to turn this into psi tech, just use the psi powers that you would find in third party stuff. I mean, if you're using spells, obviously they're like spell-like abilities, but then you get into the whole thing of, oh, well, you know, it's a spell-like ability, so if it's a dead magic world, it won't work. Then you work around it. I mean, you know. Uh, we did mention something earlier, and I forget if it was while we were taping or not. Yes, this stuff can travel along the fringe paths. Yes, that gives it the opportunity for it to go onto any world with a portal including Positive 13 Prime, Paranormal Earth, Bureau 13 Home Base. Now, as I put in Bureau 13 OGL, there is one person in Bureau 13, it is her job specifically to deal with anything interdimensional, whether it comes from the fringe paths or through a warp or through, you know, a portal of some type made by Psy or Tech. And then is Colonel Shea Talbot originally from the um, Victorian Prime, and now is the liaison between Unida and Bureau 13. Now, if there is an instance where 
the PPM makes it to positive 13 prime, which considering we found out, you know, Jonathan postulated that lay on positive five, the alts and positive five, the purple weed could have been made by the PPM. That's just eight nodes over. So there is a chance, however slight, depending on if there's a rogue patch of PPM there, it floats along the fringe paths. And of course, if you're driving along and it's dispersed in a 30-foot cube, you're not going to notice it. If it's got a 42 on its stealth, if you're driving on, on the pathways, you're not going to see it unless you're just that good. And so it can just float along the eight nodes and up to the prime platform. Yeah. What's that South Park meme? You're going to have a bad day. Yeah. So, yeah, that was something else that Bruce mentioned earlier. And I forget, as I said, if the if the recording was on or not about that. And, you know, there's one person who would probably be on the side of the green goo, Swamp Chuck. Okay, fill me <laughs> in on that one. Again, folks, been doing this now for 12 years and still, or 10 years and still learning new stuff. Please elaborate, Mr. Shepard, on who or what Swamp Chuck is. Swamp Chuck is a carcist, which means he's a demon summoner, uh, who lives in the Louisiana, you know, uh, Mississippi swamp area. And... Uh, He's perfectly uh, at home uh, in all that uh, decay and such, and is uh, uh, and I'm just saying is that he would be perfectly fine with making an alliance with something like this and uh, summoning up some uh, critters that probably could not be affected by it, considering they're demons you know, from another realm, uh, and uh, using them as uh, mules to spread it around the world. Oh, yeah. Okay. I could see yeah. where that would be a definite problem. And I'm sure the Bureau already knows of Swamp Chuck and they've dealt with him before. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, they haven't been able to get rid of yeah, him. Yeah. Right. So, but they still know of him and they'd realize, wait a minute, we have plant based nanites that came through, let's say, the Lake Superior Warp. Yeah. Send a team to Swamp Chuck's area and lock him down and make sure that he don't get anywhere near the. <laughs> Bring up anything, any, anything plant-based we've dealt with and just keep an eye on them. You know, put all the satellites on, on notice. Well, you remember the happiness plot also, right? Where you had the extraterrestrial plant that made the entire town happy. It was basically like pod, pod people and such. I'm, I, I get the pod people reference. I don't remember the happiness plant. No. This was... Well, it was the happiness plot. Plot. Is what it was called. Plot being a pun on plant growth ah uh, you put you put you know a plot of yeah uh of, okay anyways and everybody in this town stopped basically going out of the town you go over there and visit they're all happy they're all glad to see you why don't you stay you know why don't you stay over the night kind of thing you know and uh it turns out that you know they're all basically uh been either uh replaced by uh by the the, the plant or they've been infected by the plant, and they want to add to their numbers, but at the same time, is it having been completely satisfied by what the plant produces for them, they have no reason to engage in commerce or leave town or do anything in particular. So anyways, it's one of the, uh, I believe it's in uh, uh, Hell's Night, the Hell's Night supplement. Okay, yeah, I don't have that on, I'd have to actually dig out my hard copy, it's in my room somewhere, but okay, yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyways, so that's a, another plant-based threat that uh, might decide that uh, you know it wa it wants to be uh, something. Oh yeah, I could I could see yeah just the fact that the stuff is coming through the fringe paths. It's not getting stopped by the because they'll be able to track it down. Okay, it originated here. It's not indigenous. We don't know of anything. Wait a minute, that's on the southern shore of Lake Superior. There's a fringe portal there. It somehow snuck through the fringe portal. Because, you know, the Bureau, Talbot would have eight screens in her office for each fringe portal that is on the planet. The one in Epcot, uh -huh. the one at Lake She'd have those on a wall along with probably a bunch of other places that she would. Oh, this is, you know, we know the dimensional barriers are thin here. Okay, put a satellite there so I can see if anything pops through, you know. So, yeah, I could see where... They'd be checking the recording, and it's like, okay, no, there is nothing there. There, no plant creature or nothing. Yet we've had all this increased plant activity. It had to have come through here. 
So then they, you know, down the line, your bureau team would find out and they, you know, Colonel Tal would have to do a research or call on contacts in the new Commonwealth or back to Earth Prime and say, okay, these are the things that we found out. Is there anything in Commonwealth records about this? Yeah, there was something called programmable plant matter. It was basically plant nanites. Oh, bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> bloody hell, you know. And y'all know bloody in Britain is the same as the F-bomb here. So, you know, when Talbot says that, there's a problem. Yeah. Kids say bloody and they often get their mouths washed out in soap over there in the UK. Just saying. Um, and now I'm reminded of the bit with Ralphie. <laughs> I found out that Life Boy has a nice pecan flavor. I've become a bit of a soap connoisseur in my time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Bureau 13 having the PPM sneak in through the fringe pads. Well, CR-17, I don't know if it'd be an Omega-level threat, but you'd have to have definitely more than one team and maybe an X-team come in to deal with it. Well, considering the fact that it can move essentially faster than most people can run. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you could certainly keep ahead of it with vehicles, assuming, of course, that the vehicle, they weren't riding on the vehicles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, drones and things like that. I mean, how far up into the atmosphere can these things go? Uh, well, I mean, well, see, here's the thing. Uh, let's see. Defensive abilities immune. Okay. It has construct traits. Let me bring that up. We will go to the SRD page and we will bring up construct traits to allow for creature types and subtypes. We will go to construct to find out their immunities. Does not breathe, eat, or sleep. Uh, let's see. So technically... These nanites, I mean, they don't need air. They tech, uh, let's see, and let's see, electrical sonic. Seeing what else they might be immune to here that I wrote down, because if it's technically, yeah, if they don't, they would have what is called the no breath racial quality, which means they could survive in space. Yeah, technically, they, if they just keep perpetually flying. If they could get to. Yeah, it would take a while. Well, because. Uh, no, I'm saying, what, what is their, how do they motivate themselves? I'm going to look here because it, it it's because it, you're assuming that they're constructs. So they probably levitate most likely probably be. Um, oh, what was the term I read in a scorcher? Anti-gravitic organelles is what the term was that I saw. Basically. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, if they can do that, then yeah, they can get all the way up into, into they can be in interstellar space. Um, so, I mean, because if, if that's the case, then the first thing that they would do I would think would be to come out into an area and just keep growing higher and bigger and wider and higher, you know, and then, you know, letting, you know, winds blow them off, strip them off the top and blow them. Oh, getting the into the yeah. jet stream. Yeah, yeah. The jet stream and all that. Yeah. I mean, it would take time, to, well, yeah. you know, to expand like that. But I'm just saying is that that, that would give you at least some up, uh, an opportunity to stop them. You know, you might end up having to drop a nuke. <laughs> no, what was it? This oh, makes God. me think, I mean, uh, of the Andromeda strain uh, by Crichton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that just makes me think of that. It's like, this is the thing that once it gets here, it's replicating. It is moving on its own. It is following the wind patterns. And if you don't get it quick enough, it's everywhere. Well, let's see. Immunity. Okay. I'm, immunity's here. Okay. All of mind affecting effects. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Bleed, disease, death effects, necromancy effect, paralysis, poison, sleep effects, and stunning. Yes, that means I believe radiation is now listed as a disease, not a poison, as per the technology guide. Yeah, it could survive in space. Space radiation wouldn't bother it. So it could, you know, they could, it could go all the way up to orbit given time. Because remember, with the flight rules, you go up at half speed. So they would be flying at 25 feet per round, not 50. But still. They can do a double move, so that's 50, and just 50 feet up every six seconds, they'll hit. Yeah, but it wouldn't launch to unless it had, or unless it was programmed to do Right, that. exactly. I mean, but I mean, these are also sentient. If they're realizing, yeah, they got these, you know, vehicles that can do this and that, we just get high enough, their vehicles can't get us. So, yeah, I mean, technically, they could survive in that type of environment. I'm just by the rules here, because even though things have been changed, they still have the constructs, traits. I, yeah. I think from for for my 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 taste at least I wouldn't yeah. have these things be perfectly sentient. They're sentient enough that the the French path will let them through, but I want to say they're almost they're almost like the the old Miller in the sense that they are they have some built-in psychological programming. So 
they're not moving out and and covering these worlds with some kind of specific end goal. This is just what it does. Yeah, it would happen. I go out and I spread across the worlds. Yeah, and I terraform them and kill the Melor. It would have its finite programming that is deep in the RNA. Yeah. Again, due to corruption, you can tweak that a little bit and they bend their rules until they scream. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, they could appear sentient like an android. Oh, it may not be sentient, but it just has really good programming. So, yeah, it would have the traits that it could it can populate uh, populate. Well, it does. It populates worlds with plant life. Uh, postulate theories and tactics based on, okay, we have these animal life forms coming at me, firing these projectiles and fire. Okay, act accordingly. Swarm them and dismantle their guns and, well, them while they're at it, you know? Well, I mean, because, I mean, every, I mean, pretty much as far as we know, every living thing has its its innate in- instincts that it will follow even despite, sen- you know, its sentience, like humans, you know, we have free will, yeah. but we Self, still um, want to self-preservation. eat and sleep yeah. And, yeah, and other things, the, the three Fs. Um, <laughs> and this thing could be the same. Only, you know, it's eating worlds and it sleeps never. But, you know, it outside of those, you know, absolutely, I have to do these things. Yeah, it could be fully sentient. I mean, it could have a conversation with you. It could discuss philosophy. Oh, I, oh, oh, Jonathan, I was thinking and I and I decided not to do it, but I was wanting to and we will go back to the SRD because there is something here. Where was it? it is templates. I saw a rather frightening template that I was thinking of adding and I for was sitting here and I explained it to her and she kind of went, oh, uh, what was it? The hive mind swarm. Yeah. Problem is. And it could be where, uh, well, see, hive minds often occur in swarms that have existed for generations that have dwelled in areas of potent magical influence, particularly areas of strong psychic magic. See, that would be, okay, psychic magic, that's the same as psionics. It's just psychic magic. They they did the Occult Adventures book to try to put more of a creepy hoodoo voodoo vibe instead of uh, Ultimate Psionics by Dreamscard. So, I mean, if you wanted to add that, yeah, it gives them thought sense, it, but and they get psychic spell casting as per the psychic class in occult adventures, and they have something called the hive mind nexus. Collective intelligence of the hive mind comprises of a complex series of connections, and pathways among the members of the swarm. In order to focus the mental power of the swarm, the collective network of minds select an individual member known as a nexus. Yeah, so basically, you could tell it would have the inner intelligence that you could technically converse with. The way that I have the stats for the PPM. No, it's nanites. You can't converse with them. They are just machines that have their programming. They just happen to be made of biological matter. But if you wanted to make these where it had the, and you're kind of like looking, oh, let's see, third Matrix movie, the robots that form the face mm-hmm. that are talking to the blind Neo mm-hmm. before he goes in for the final battle with Smith. Can Something like that. Yeah. Okay. I think, I see we're, uh, we're about out of time, but I, I definitely want to revisit this. Because I think there's so much more. Because I've got more questions. I like. I want to know like what its standard operating procedure is when it's invading a new world. If it is sentient, what are its wants? What are its dreams? <laughs> I think this is something we could definitely talk about again in the future. Tell me about. Tell me about your mother and uh, it's looking going really. <laughs> it was a laptop. It was a laptop and a Tremelon lab pal. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. We can put a bow on this. All right. <clears throat> I haven't done an outro in a long time here. At least for here. I do one every week on my show. Uh, programmable plant matter. A new suggestion for a new big bad for your late campaign model of Fringeworthy. Obviously, the ideas we postulated here and the way that I particularly cranked this version out, you may either find a new way of doing it in OGL stats or depending on whatever game mechanic that you're using, you'll find your own way to do it and you'll put your own tweaks on it. Like you may have it where it can do everything on the Druid spell list that has to do with plants as well as, you know, dismantle technology and go after living beings and whatnot. We did this because one end of the fringe paths had the Coptics. And as I said, it came to us, 
well, what's going on over here? Wouldn't there, you know, there's more than enough room to have big bads all over the fringe paths. So this was our crack at it. This was, you know, something that just came to me and Bruce gave me the blessing to go run with it. So a Termellern tool either adapted or corrupted to bring a new level of terror and adventure to your Fringe of the Explorers, whether they are Unita-based or off of another world. If you have issue with the suggestions we've made, or if you wish to enhance upon them, or you decide to whip up a version of your PPM, Green Goo, Plantites, if you want to use that, or Planites, fans of Gaming on the Frontier podcast, Fringeworthy RPG fans, because we brought in Bureau 13, Bureau 13, Agents Everywhere, our three Facebook groups, you can bring this stuff up on the Podbean site itself at tritechsystems.podbean.com. We're all on Facebook. You can contact us that way. Just, hey, Trav, you know, that episode you guys did on, you know, the grain goo, I got this, this, and this. Feedback, feedback, feedback. We love it when you guys interact with us because it gets us going, you know, and it ends up being an upward spiral because the more you interact with us, the more topics for further discussion we have for you. As I said, this is a thought experiment. This is just something that the three of us through, you know, the three of us talked about. But you GMs out there run this right, and your players are going to be wondering every time they step up. I mean, you don't want to get them too paranoid because, you know, it's but you saw how we adapted it to the various worlds that were just in a couple of the portals books. Oh, yeah, this was definitely possibly a, a PPM altered world. So you see how easily this can plug in into the whole fringe metaverse, or as I love to call it, the Tahulkaverse. Uh, and we will have much more for you next week, but until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.